Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Another Happy Pod is sponsored by Monkeys. Monkeys. Look, what do you want from us, all right? It's not always good, okay? We decided weeks and weeks ago that we're going to open up every episode with a fake sponsor, and now we're fucking stuck with it. And every single week, we spend at least 20 minutes coming up with a joke that's not even funny, and no one laughs. And honestly, I don't even know why we fucking do it anymore. It's just old and boring at this point, and they're not... tell you that my cat has been eating my cactus recently oh yeah yeah it's a it's a problem <laughs> why is it a problem he's eating a cactus and then it's sharp it will hurt so i have to keep pulling him off my desk where there's a cactus <laughs> uh, what's what's actually idiotic is that i must have moved my cat about 70 times in the last month because of yeah. this cactus but i haven't moved my cactus once yeah i was just gonna say why don't you just move the fucking cactus I'll be honest, the idea never occurred to me until now. But <laughs> I'm going to move the cactus. Smart smart thinking. Eureka, he's <laughs> bloody done it. Long damn side. Uh, hello and welcome back to another Happy Pod. The show where we talk about pop culture and trying to keep things just a little bit positive and optimistic. We don't always succeed, but we do make sure we have a damn good time doing it. My name's Nathan, and as always, I'm joined by everyone's favourite co-host... With the Mo host, it's Lawrence Thomas Heisey. You know what? I'm tired. You don't get an insult this week. <laughs> That's great. Co-host with the Mo host. I like that. You're Is also that... a... Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like that. Is that yours, co-host with the Mo host? Did you Is that, that mine? What do you mean, is that Is... mine? Have, I... that... Have you never heard that? No. That's like a very common uh, little saying. No, it's ours. We've, we've got it. <laughs> Nathan, right. made, Nathan made it up. You all heard it. Um, Nathan, <laughs> how's your week been? 
Um, damp. Yeah, it's been hot. It's been very it's been hot. It's been too fucking hot, man. I can't handle it. I used to live in Portugal, um, and I don't know how I ever managed that because it's been, what, 20, 22, 24 today? It's currently at 22, and it's just too much, man. It's, I cannot handle I'm not built for this weather. Yeah, neither am I. I've been, like, my bed sheets. I've been waking up, and I'm just like, I, I am... <laughs> fucking uncomfortable right now like, i woke I'm, up this morning and my pillow was very very wet and i'm like i don't like this at all oh uh, see it's the bottom of the it's like the back segment for me like the lower oh, back yeah. that's just yeah it's not where you want it and also like it means like i don't know i don't know about you i don't know how you sleep but i'm i shift around in the bed a lot and i find that oh, yeah, doing that now well doing that now is just is just <laughs> so much more of an effort because i'm like yeah. every time i move i drag the sheet with me like it's just horrible and usually I sleep with a window open, but that's not really doing anything. Like there's, you're not getting any additional breeze through that. It's just so fun, fun, um, fun fact on that. I can't sleep with a window open now because my cat will jump out, and he is not an outdoor cat. He hates the outdoors. Uh. Um, and then I also found out this week after <clears throat> bringing the fan up and putting the fan on. He, I couldn't figure out what he was meowing at, but he spent about three hours nonstop meowing. I went downstairs, I gave him some food, I cleaned his litter out just in case he was, like, annoyed about that. Uh, no, it turns out he doesn't like the fan noise. So not only can I not open the window because of my cat, I can't even put a fucking fan on. So I'm literally sat in my own sauna. Like... Jarvis is dictating your entire life now. He fucking is. <laughs> he's the bit. Be- oh, he's he's cute though. I, I do love him. But he, yeah, he is, he is, he's a pain in the ass, but he's a very cute boy. All right. Well, there we are then. Um, what are we doing this week, Lawrence? We're talking about a very underrated trilogy of movies, um, of which the first one is still good but boring, and the second two are sick. Uh, we're talking about the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Is that the name for it, or is it like the uh, the 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 reboot trilogy? I guess yeah. the, the the planet. People know what you say mean when you say Planet of the Apes trilogy. The title of these are so long, aren't they? They're so long, and <laughs> also maybe they sh- they're different. Like they should be attached to different movies. Like Dawn should probably be the first one. But... I almost watched that one first. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely put that one on first, and then went. Wait, hang on. I know James Franco's in the first one, and he's on the poster for the other one. And I googled it, and I went, "Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah. War is the only one that makes sense with the title it has." Yeah, the first two maybe they should be swapped around. Um, but that was interesting to hear you say first one a little bit boring, and then the second two good. Um, that is very interesting because I I remember I mean, it was sometime in our second year of university. The trailer for War for the Planet of the Apes had just been released, and I was mm-hmm. really excited because I liked these movies. So I went to go grab you to, so we could watch it together, and you said to me, oh, I don't like the Planet of the Apes movies. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then since then, we've never really spoken about Planet of the Apes at all. No. <laughs> so I thought, oh, let's, uh, let's, let's do this for the pod, and then we'll, we'll see how it goes, and we'll see why you don't like them. But turns out you do like them. Yeah, so um, for starters, I've said this many a time on the pod, uh, I was a big film snob at uni. I was, I was, uh, I love my black Sometimes and white. Sometimes you still can be. 
I still can be. I'm Nathan. I'm self-reflecting. <laughs> I'm working on myself. Um, <laughs> no, I like my. I liked my black and white sequences. Uh, any you put Radiohead into anything, it's automatically cinematic uh, and <laughs> and art. Um, that was very much me at uni. Um, I I'm more than likely. I don't remember this conversation, so I don't know if this was the case. But I more than likely just said that because I didn't want to watch the trailer. <laughs> no, like I don't know. Um, but yeah, no. Look, bottom line is, I did. I spent the week watching these. Um, actually, smashed them out within two days. Uh, like because um, mm. I remembered I was doing a trilogy in them, and oh shit. Um, but yeah, no rise. Should we should we go through them one by one like we did with the monsters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll start Let's, with rise. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I said it was kind of a. I I still think this is a good movie. Um, it, it's definitely the the weakest in my opinion of the three, um, and that's not through a, any kind of thing that the movie does wrong. But it it's clear the series hadn't got to where it wanted to go yet. Like this series is very much like a humans versus apes apocalyptic kind of war scenario. Uh, but they've you know to get them to make those two films. Mm-hmm. Uh, justified they need to do the legwork and this is the legwork um it's it's fine i i found it a little bit slow a bit dull uh but it's still a good film there's still great moments in it um but yeah what do you think about it i i don't know i think you're mad saying it's fine i think this is a great movie man i think mean, yeah. rise of the planet of it and i guess Maybe have you seen any of the other Planet of the Apes movies? <laughs> no. Okay. I, watched the, I watched the trailer for the 2001 one and went, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Maybe that that kind of explains it then, because Planet of the Apes is the dumbest fucking franchise ever. It was so dumb and campy and just people running about in rubber monkey masks, um, like fighting humans and everything like that. And Charlton Heston doing a bit of screaming acting. And it, and it was all terrible. And then Tim Burton comes along in 2001, tries to do an edgy reboot with fucking Mark Wahlberg um, where he kisses an ape. So that's fun for everyone. Uh, um, man, come on. <laughs> Yeah, he kisses Tim Burton's wife in ape makeup. So there you are. Everyone loves that. Um, why does fucking why does who? Why has he not fired his agent, man? He just lines him up so much shit. <laughs> like I like Mark Wahlberg. I think he's fine for the movies he does. Like he's not he's not an Oscar winning actor. He's a he's a you know he's a popcorn movie actor and he's good. But man, does he do some questionable things in his films? I mean, mo- everything, mostly everything he does is very, is very questionable. Remember when he saved Boston that one time? Anyway, um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, Planet of the Apes was fucking dumb and cheesy and a big joke for everyone to laugh at, really. And then in two thousand and eleven, uh, this reboot came out, and I saw it uh, advertised. I didn't I don't ever remember seeing a trailer. I just remember seeing like the posters and shit. And I was like, ah, oh, Planet of the Apes, probably not any good, but sure, it'll kill an afternoon. Let's watch it. And holy shit, did it blow my mind because yeah. this was when you look at what came before it. This is a fucking masterpiece of a movie. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not. I'm not looking at it from that angle. I'm like, I'm looking at it from the fresh of like I know now going into this. Just I don't. I didn't know much about the movies, but I knew how they were received, and I knew that by the time War came out, everyone was like, "Fuck yeah, this franchise is sick." Um, or like the people that were talking about it were like that because it was kind of 
I don't know how well it performed, but I know it's not got the love and kind of respect it deserves. It's not, it didn't get your like Hunger Games fame or your, you know, your other kind of big franchises of the I time. I think it gets, I think it gets quite well received. I, think I don't think it got know. that well received though, right? Like it, are people that see it like it, but I don't, yeah. there's, there's not much discourse about it. I mean, I guess I'm not too sure to be honest, but I, I think I've, maybe I'm in the bubble. I don't know, but I think most people seem to know it and like it. I think the best thing they did was getting rid of the the hokey uh, ape costumes, the makeup, the masks, and everything like that, <laughs> yeah. and deciding to go for a motion capture CGI Andy circus because it's it's truly incredible what they do. It's Sure, the first one, by now, it's a little outdated. You can notice it's a little bit blurry around the edges and everything like that. The yeah, second for 2010, two, for 2010 tech, that's it's still fucking it's, leagues ahead of what was being done. It's true. It's absolutely phenomenal. The second two in particular are just absolutely fucking mind-blowing. Like, yeah. there's moments you're just watching, like, how is that not a real ape? It's just... It, fucking insane the stuff they're able to do um but yeah i think andy circus is easily the best decision they ever made in casting this movie casting him as caesar um yeah yeah, i really really enjoy this first movie i think i think that's where its strength is it's definitely in the story of caesar and i don't know how much the other movies kind of relied on caesar's story if caesar is caesar like a through line of a character or is that made up for the reboot i don't know no so the so the reboot like it borrows kind of it borrows character names and and stuff like that it doesn't ever really stick because the first one that came out in 68 it's it's like set 2000 years in our future like there's um there's an, an astronaut mission which left earth they got lost out in space and then they returned to earth 2000 years later but they don't know that they think it's only been a few weeks or whatever and they're on some far distant planet but they're not they're back on earth and that's where you get the planet of the apes thing from um yeah, yeah. So it's it's all very different, and basically, just like this is like kind of setting up, not really, but kind of setting up like what happened in those two thousand years before they left. Like, how did the Earth get to this point? Um, and some character, like there is a Caesar character, but like he's not like this and everything. So it's all just borrowed and stuff. Yeah, I, well, that's clearly the way that it works then, because I know that this was the this is the one that people remember for being the definitive Planet of the Apes movies. Um, yeah, I. I quite enjoyed that this, uh, like, this is a great movie, and the fr- the the main kind of through line of it is <laughs> that kind of idea of family and like, um, you know, there's a great moment in it where Caesar sees a dog on a lead, and because he's on a lead, he he asks James Franco, uh, "Am I a pet?" And James Franco is like, "No, you're not a pet." Whilst holding a lead and putting him in the backseat <laughs> of the car, cracking the window for him, like, yeah. And Caesar, you can see Caesar's like, "All right, but I am a fuck it. Let's be honest, I'm a pet though, aren't I?" <laughs> like, um, and it's great. That's that's where the uh, the movie's kind of at its strongest when them two get to do their like father son moment, and Caesar gets to become his own man. Um, what do you think of James Franco? Uh, so, <laughs> so I've got a note, and then I felt a bit bad because I wrote this note around about the middle of the film. Um, and then I, he, I did prefer him towards the later half, but I think his performance is fine. He's uh, James Franco. Again, he's a good actor. He's fine. Uh, is he? uh, he's, he, he, no, he's traditionally more like comedy roles. Like, you know, he, he, he kills it in things like the dictator, that kind of stuff. 
Um, I've never taken him to be a, like a leading man. I've never really looked at him and gone, yes, you're a compelling front man for the story. Um, yeah. and, I think, and I think that is a little bit to the movie's detriment, but he's not what I'm there for. I was there to watch Caesar, so that was fine with me. Yeah, that's fair. He's, um, I don't know, James Franco is someone who, he just always strikes me as the kind of guy who's never, he's never putting himself really in it. Like, I just feel like he's, he never seems really all that interested in what he's doing. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, do you not remember the classic, mmm, strawberry? <laughs> I do remember the classic oh, strawberry, and, and then, then he, he gets down, and then he like gets down when like the fucking bus comes or whatever. Because where did he go? Oh yeah, he just he teleports. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As, teleports. Is a, as is a classic two thousand and seven or movie trope <laughs> uh, for that to happen. Um, yeah, look, but ultimately, like I say, I, I want to stress this is not. I don't think this is a bad film by any stretch of the imagination. This is still very, very good. Um, it sounds like you hate it. Um, it's true, I, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do. I think it's. I think it's really interesting showing exactly like what how this all kicked off. And once you have the context of the later movies, it's really interesting to see how it all begun. How it all begun because like the world goes to shit because of the simian flu, and you get to see like where that starts uh, and how it all spreads and everything like that. And it is really interesting to see it from a, like a ground zero perspective and the stuff i think is is like when the movie starts to get going like when caesar is sadly taken to like the ape sanctuary um where he's mistreated uh that's when things like really start to kick into gear and when like he starts to show just how fucking good he really is like uh, rocket who is a great character um like is like the sort of leader of this sanctuary he's like the 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 main ape in charge and he like makes caesar his little bitch at first he like shows him who's in charge and everything like that and to see caesar slowly formulate a plan to slowly overthrow rocket and take that head position himself it's it's really interesting to watch oh yeah and that's that's a through line throughout all these three movies the <laughs> the kind of the the communication between the apes for like you know that's a you know if you're coming into this from a filmmaker perspective that's a challenge like you've got apes that for the large majority of their screen time aren't doing a lot of talking like yeah you've got the benefit of yeah. signing but they don't really have that in this film mm. they do a little bit but not so yes yeah, so this movie has the least ape communication there's a very yeah. small amount of sign language there's the what uh, the four words in total that caesar says uh he says no at one point to break a Malfoy, which was very funny uh, and then another three words he says Caesar is home later in the movie uh, which as compared to the other two movies it's really not a lot but it is it is interesting to see that groundwork and where it all begins what yeah. I I really like the the conversation uh, Caesar has with Maurice who turns out to be my favorite ape of the entire series he's fucking Maurice amazing. is everyone's favorite ape <laughs> Thank Maurice you. is a fucking legend. Maurice is a king. He is a true fucking king of the he series. Is. Yeah. Um, I'm glad he survived all the way through. He is an absolute... Mate, if Maurice hero. died, I'd have, I'd have just turned the TV off. Like, if Maurice dies, we riot. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the conversation they have where Maurice is like uh, just just telling them how things work here and the humans aren't that nice and everything like that. It's, it's really interesting. And to have it through sign language... I don't know, there's just something about that which is is quite interesting. Yeah, oh no, definitely. 
Um, in that kind of little um, sanctuary, obviously, like you said, there is Draco Malfoy. Um, he is literally, he is he is chewing the scenery. He is really enjoying himself in this performance. Um, there's, I mean, there's obviously the infamous, you know, get your paws off me, you damn dirty ape, or whatever the, the accurate line is. Um, but even before then, like, he's bringing his friends in. He's like, look at these monkeys, guys. <laughs> like, they, aren't they so silly? Um, getting drunk. Uh, like, it's a very, like, and it down, he is very dramatic down to the last second where he, where he dies because he's holding a hose and Caesar, Caesar, um, basically just fucking. No, Caesar's holding the hose. Oh, Caesar's uh, holding the hose, and he gets yeah. the taser out, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. Um, which, yeah, which, which is a fucking idiot thing to do when there's a shitload of water around you, moron. And his dad <laughs> is Striker from X Men. His dad is. That, that's where I know him from. <laughs> I was suddenly the whole thing going. Who's this guy? I know. Yeah, him Draco. Somewhere. Draco Malfoy is. A very weird choice. I mean, this was 2011, so clearly Harry Potter was still very much front and center. They yeah. thought, "Oh, Draco's a good villain. Let's just get him in. He'll be great. Let's 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 let him do an American accent. It won't be weird at all. Everyone will love it." Um, and here we are. I always remember one, like when Caesar first gets taken to the ape sanctuary, and then all the apes just start screaming because there's this new there's this new ape here, and they like don't really understand what's going on. And I always remember Tom Felton just screaming, "It's a madhouse!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, look right. I'll, I'll say this now. Um, t- this is no disrespect to Tom Felton mm-hmm. whatsoever. He is one of the most enjoyable parts of this movie because he, you, he's a villain that you kind of, you, you like to hate. And by the end of it, when he dies, I'm like, yeah. And that's obviously, that's a testament to the fact that he's done his job well. Um, was there something wrong with just allowing him to have a British accent? In this? Like, <laughs> like green cards exist. There are English people living in America that have jobs. Like it's. But then how could he have been Stryker's son? I don't know. Uh, like maybe, maybe his dad gr- raised him in England. Anything, right? One throwaway line could have fixed that. My issue is when your accent is this bad, right? Yeah. It it makes your lines seem comical, and he's not a bad actor. He is a very talented actor. Uh, I think some of his work in Harry Potter <clears throat> is some of like the most emotional moments in the whole franchise. Um, but when you don't. When you don't give an actor the, the proper tools, which is, you know, for their voice. And given that there's so little talking in this movie at pivotal moments, he's often the only person talking in these big scenes with the apes. It's yeah. you're letting him run on monologues and then you're taking away his voice. Like, cause it just <laughs> sounds very weird. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my thing with it. Oh, well it is what it is. Um, just quickly, I think we should move on to the second one, but just quickly the whole like, sequence on the bridge and everything like that it's fucking amazing yeah. uh really really well done really interesting to watch uh john lithgow as charles uh james franco's dad incredible as well and david oyelowo um who mm. stars who was who was the head of the um the the like lab the lab facility or whatever and also starred in our university graduation he did. He was there. He said he gave a speech about how our course director was great, uh, and all of us went, "Yeah, you know, David Oyelowo." What? what? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was a bit mad. Um, I, I have two more points about this movie, and I'll run through right. very quickly. Um, first, I'll, I'll get the silly one out of the way first. Uh, this man sat on the cure for Alzheimer's for eight years and didn't do anything. Um, 
and uh, and I I know it isn't you know a good cure for Alzheimer's, but he didn't yeah. know that for eight years. For eight years, he's just sat there like, no, nah, it only works for my dad. Everyone <laughs> else can fuck themselves. <laughs> and, and I mean, worst case scenario, in his eyes, if it only has eight years, a lot of people with Alzheimer's tend to be old. Give him a nice eight years. Fair enough. Yeah. It's a valid point, I think. Um, uh, my second point is um, this uh, This movie's ending did choke me up a little bit. Um, the, the goodbye from James Franco. And boy, is it a goodbye because you fucking never see him again. Um, no, he's, he, a, he's 100% dead after yeah, this. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get, I think we'll it's get, made very clear in the next movie that he is dead. Um, right. We'll get there because I've got another, there's another recurring protagonist that just goes into the void of <laughs> you're not in this one. Um, you, you get one, you get one human protagonist per movie. Yeah, which um, makes sense. but no, the the the, the emotional moment um, of where he tells Caesar to come home and Caesar looks around him um, and he's out in the forest uh, and he just says that he is home and James Franco kind of takes a beat and then really respects it and goes, yeah, you know what, good on you, mate. I'll see you when I see you, which is never because yeah. he dies. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that, that's it. And Co- uh, as well, just quickly mention, Cobra is introduced in this movie. Um, we'll obviously get more into Cobra in the second one. But just yeah. the look of him alone, fucking amazing. Ter- absolutely terrifying. Oh, amazing. yeah. Amazing. Um, he got the scar treatment, didn't he? Where you, can, you, you know. He really did. Yeah. He's the evil one straight away. <laughs> <laughs> He's great, though. Um, all right, yeah. So did you did you see the, the post credit scene of the first movie, then? Oh, I did not. Yeah, so there's maybe that maybe that answers my question. I've got a what, question. For what was your question? My question was, how is the entire world suddenly if affected by this virus? Yeah, you know what? It actually does answer your question. Good. Uh, that is my first note on my. I've got three little tabs: rise, dawn, and war. My first note on dawn was, wait, hang on, the world. Yeah. So um, you clearly have no patience because there was literally about ten seconds of credits, and then the post-credit scene started. But I, anyway, I shut up my Mac straight away. I was so tired. I can imagine. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so you know the guy who like lived in that next door to them who clearly had the most terrible experience throughout those eight years or whatever <laughs> yeah, um, the so guy who, yeah the guy who just kept getting running into problems he he was a pilot okay and you hear him at one point say to john lithgow that he needs to drive to the airport how is he going to do that now it's because he's a pilot um so obviously that lab technician who was patient zero for the simian flu, he like sneezes on his face with the blood and everything like that. Yeah. And now, and he's a pilot. So he's like wiping his face. He wipes a bit of blood away from his nose as you see him going through to the airport and getting on his flight and flying around the world. And then like the credits go and they're played over like a, I'm not sure how to describe it, like a graphic of a plane just traveling the world. And like, as it gets to its destination, like more little lines spread off and you just see in the virus grow essentially. So, right. So it does show you exactly like, like how it all grows and goes worldwide. I'd make a strong case for putting that in your film. It is not, the film. End, not at the end of the film when people like me could potentially not see it. I think, um, I think I can understand why they did that because I think like, because the emotional ending of the movie is like the Caesar is home. And I feel like you, you need a bit of breathing room between that and like a, a little post-credit thing, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense there. <laughs> Looking back on it, there was just a really weird moment, which now I have context to, uh, but I didn't of where he's just like the, uh, his dad's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, he's having a bit of an episode. 
Um, and the, the neighbor's just like, did you know I'm a fucking pilot? <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. weird specific detail. Like, Yeah. So there you are. Um, so anyway, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. It's now 10 years later. The world has gone to shit. Uh, Gary Oldman's kids are dead. Um, the Caesar Jesus. has Caesar has his own family. He's he's got a wife and two and two beautiful boys, um, Cornelius and Blue Eyes. Rocket is there. He's the greatest ever. Maurice, all the lads, they're all around. Uh, the ape colony is strong, thriving, and everything is a okay. End of movie. Yeah, the apes live happily ever after. No, no mutinies occur, and everyone is fine. Um, no, but I think I think the the opening to the and I'm just going to say it right off the bat. This is my favorite of the three. I think this is the best movie of the of the trilogy. Um, the, I, I the completely opening, agree. Yeah, the opening to this is is just fucking incredible. Just the cl- extreme close up on Caesar's eyes. He's got like the war paint on. And then you just see him and all the other apes go hunting this poor little fucking elk or whatever. It's oh, it's so good. It's so good, man. And you get, um, obviously, in this franchise, obviously not at the time of release, but when I was watching it, I knew that the next movie was called War. Um, to see it open like this and to see them kind of really communicating with each other and basically, you know, there's some like SEAL Team 6 level of like orchestrated um, detail here. Like yeah. on this hunt, like they they they've made a plan. They're sticking to the plan, and it's very effective. And that's fucking scary. <laughs> like, <if you're, laughs> like especially because you know that in this movie they're likely going to begin a war that will continue to the next one. Um, and you're like, damn, these guys are pretty much unbeatable. Um, yeah, well, exactly. So it seems. Exactly. Straight away, you're shown like the progression of the apes. You can see how intelligent they've become now, how they communicate with each other. They've like built a society of their own and everything, and it is. Like you say, it's exactly like fucking SEAL Team 6, and it's it's terrifying, but it's amazing at the same time. And then to see fucking Caesar stand off against a bear. <laughs> like, yeah, literally. <laughs> literally standing off against a bear. like, And he was smart as well. He knew it wasn't a fight he could win. He knew he was fucking outmatched. So all he, all he could do was just intimidate the bear until Cobra arrived to take it out in an spectacular way. It was, yeah. it was so good. Javelin dive. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, um, so the whole, if the last movie's highlight for me was Caesar growing up and becoming his own man, this movie's highlight for me is Caesar becoming his own man and then realizing that other people don't always have to agree with him. Um, yeah. Which is personified hugely, obviously, by Kobo, which is the point of his character. This is why the movie, this movie is my favorite of the three, because the the clash of ideals and beliefs yeah. between um, Caesar and Koba are, is, is, is amazing. And it's it and, really is. And both of them are wrong and both of them are right. And it's, there's not a, there's a, you know, there's a preferred method of going around things and it gets to yeah. the point where Koba does cross that line, but that's obviously because the movie needs to say this is a villain, but when they're butting heads, they are both wrong and right. And it's, it's just about who's swinging the bigger sword, which is what it comes down to. Koba is absolutely right to feel the way he does. Koba has all the justification for not trusting the humans, and he is right for wanting to protect the apes like he does. 
you're right. He's just his methods about it are, are wrong, and and the way he he goes about things. Kobo, like, cause Kobo spent years, and the, there's that great scene where like fucking where they they're clashing heads and they're and they're having like a little bit of a scrap. And um, I can't remember the exact line, but uh, I think something like a Caesar says to Kobo, "Just let the humans do their human work." And then Kobo just points out all the scars on his body and just says, oh. "Human work, human work." human work and it's oh it's fucking incredible and yeah. just from that scene you understand exactly why he's feeling so strongly about this it's it's incredible and that's that that's kind of where mo- this movie succeeds where others would fail it's the fact that apes have limited communication between themselves right yeah. and you know i think it, it comes to a play in war they start chatting a lot more um but in i, th- in- I think i think it's only i think caesar is the one who talks the most Caesar is like yeah. the most human of all the apes. Like Maurice hardly speaks. He speaks a little bit more in the third one, but he he communicates pretty much exclusively in sign language. I don't yeah. think Rocket ever actually does speak. I think he only communicates in sign language. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. Cobert is a little bit more. Uh, he's he's a little bit more willing to talk like Caesar, and Caesar kind of does communicate almost exclusively through through talking because he's like the the big get is the big off, cheese yeah exactly that, that's where it's that's where it's so good because obviously there's <laughs> limited communication between them um, yeah so when they do that you know there's often one-liners and trailer lines which you know sometimes work in movies and sometimes they're literally you know they're put in for a trailer um this has like the cadence of a trailer line but it's just delivered so impactful and like so impactfully and so emotionally the human work thing that was what got me on not on cobra's side but that's what made me go you're not a prick. You're yeah. you've just got a different idea. You've got a different, you're a different bloke. You're a different man and or a different ape. And that's, you know, that's, it's not to say you're wrong or right. It's just to say that you don't agree with the way that this is going. But yeah, no, something else about, um, about Cobra, which kind of had me, because I, my concern was that, you know, when he picked up the human gun, um, and, and then kind of, you know, did his foul play and then he appears at the end, I was kind of concerned that he was going to get a bit pantomime villainy, um, which which is where, you know, now he's evil. Now he's fully evil. Um, But they don't do it like that. They do it in a way where you can tell there is, he has got so much respect and love for Caesar, but to him, Caesar's crossed the line and is allowing things to take place, which he doesn't think is right for his family. Um, And then it gets to the point where his family side with Caesar and he just starts going, well, fuck a lot of you, then. Like, Koba is... Koba just... He, he just cannot let that hatred and anger go. He, he no matter what happens, like, if he's been wronged, he needs to right that wrong. He needs to get his revenge, and he needs to make whoever wronged him pay. And and I think that's that's the difference between him and Caesar. Caesar can let that go, because yeah, he'll fucking grim and he'll he'll grimace and he'll grit his teeth and do whatever and he'll he won't be happy about it, but he will let that go if that means protecting his family and protecting his people, his his apes, ironically. Um Cobra, mm-hmm. on the other hand, will will happily sacrifice his entire family, his entire tribe, his entire apes, uh f- just for the benefit of killing one person who's wronged him. And and that's the difference between the two of them. And and you can understand, like so you can understand Cobra's reasoning for 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 wanting that because the poor guy went through some fucking shit at the hands of humans, and as we know, humans are scum. 
and Gary Oldman and that one actor who seems to be cast as an arsehole and everything is the perfect example of that. Um, So, and uh, the director, Matt Reeves, by the way, Matt Reeves, who does a great job of, uh, of showing all of that stuff. Yeah. There's, um, that was my next point. There's a, the human side has a Cobra as well. Um, and that's the, that's the dickhead that sneaks the, uh, the shotgun onto like the work site. Um, that's the dickhead that sneaks What I like, like, what I like about that character is at one point he even goes, oh, I'm the asshole. And I'm like, yes, yeah. you are, you <laughs> yeah. are a dickhead. Yeah. If you just, yeah. If you just let something be bigger than you for a second, you idiot. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, it, but those those are the characters I like though because they're they're often not there to learn a lesson; they're there to show us the point of the movie, which is like I mean, they've each got different kind of themes running through them, but there's it, it's a very clear thing. The movie is telling you on so many occasions, yeah, there's a right way of going about things that means neither of you have to die, um, and he's just there like. But I've got a gun, <laughs> like, and and it's, it, yeah, it's it's pathetic. And but um, yeah, where where I like uh, Cobra's character, and I don't like his character, is that Cobra has a set of ideals and a set of morals and a set of beliefs, and he feels wronged. Whereas the other guy yeah. has just got prejudice and has a gun and thinks he's better than everyone. But then there's the the other kind of human antagonist in um, in Gary Oldman, who is a, a bit more similar to Cobra, like really not in terms of like. He's been wronged or tortured by the apes or anything, just in the sense that he wants to protect his people and you know, and he's lost his kids and, and he wants to do what he can, even if it does mean sacrificing a few of his own people and and himself ultimately, uh, for for the apes. See, I, I, I do I see what you're saying. I don't view Gary Oldman's character that much as an antagonist. I mean I know I'm not an idiot, I know the film sets him up that way and I know that that's kind of the point of him because he's there to thwart the um the human protagonist um but he gary oldman is so far from having all the answers in his Uh, character situation um like from from where he's concerned he's let his probably one of his best men go out um and kind of has no idea what's going on with that scenario the next thing he knows he's got a fucking horde of apes at his door where he you know where is there's there's children there uh, at his like kind of refugee camp, um, yeah. and, and the next thing he knows is that they've made a deal. He's gone stay away, and he's he sent a guy out there um, who hasn't come back at this point. And for all he knows, that went very badly. And then they've just come and gone right, death to you all. Then we told you to stay away. Like he's dealing with that fact as what it is. Like he doesn't he doesn't know that. Oh, actually, Cobra's being an ass, and Caesar doesn't appreciate this or approve of it. Like so, I, I view him as kind of he's doing everything within his power to do the right thing. But sometimes good guys are put in very shit situations. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. What did you think of the, uh, the other human cast? So you have Kerry Russell and, uh, Jason Clark. Um, Jason Clark is the one from Terminator Genesis, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I literally just put my, put my kind of finger on it, that it was Terminator (laughs) Genesis that I know him from. Um, another great movie. Another fantastic movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was um, with, with the naked time travel as well. Um, yeah. and well, that's so all was, the Terminator movies. That's true, actually, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he was 
he was in this. Uh, he he just he served the purpose. Like there, there wasn't. Yeah. He he was just a you know a token good guy. Um, yeah, he was. He was he was human Caesar. He was a good man. He yeah. was human Caesar, not quite James Franco, but you know a, a, another dad, a, a dad for Caesar to bond with a little bit, have a little bit of a friendly relationship, uh, and for them both to to have a realization that you know not so different, not so bad after all, really. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. But yeah, this this is. This is by far my favourite. Not well, not by far. This is my favourite of the three. Um, yeah, but I think the least... way the the way just just quickly, just the way it's even even shot is just remarkable. One one scene in particular that always sticks out to me is like when the actual battle between the apes and humans is like in full force. A tank shows up and just starts fucking blasting the apes, uh, and Cobra, I think it's Cobra anyway, just manages to get on top and like work his way inside of the tank. And while all of that is happening, the camera is just like mounted on the uh, on the swivelly bit of the tank as it just turns around and like it doesn't cut away. It just it just shows you the tank, the uh, the gun of the tank just swiveling three sixty until it like crashes into the building itself. It's so fucking well done, man. That's such a good shot. Yeah, well, mate, that's that's Matt Reeves, like in a nutshell. Yeah. And there's and the the War of the Planet or War for the Planet of the Apes um, is that's that shot remarkably as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, should we move on? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I say, this is uh, my favorite. I think it's purely because of the the clash between Koba and and Caesar, which I think the third one suffers a little bit for not having Koba, but it, it it's still a great movie. And, and yeah, we'll get into that now. Yeah, so I oh you've hit the nail on the head. I think it does definitely, <laughs> you know, it, it's definitely it drops one of the key themes, which is no one's really there to oppose Caesar other than the human threat. And we've known that humans are assholes from you know the word go in this. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, I don't know. There's something about snow and warfare as like an aesthetic choice in films <laughs> that, or and or games that I just really fuck with big time. <laughs> like, my, yeah. My favourite missions in Modern Warfare 2, there's two where you're you're in the snow. They're my favourite. Uh, you know, you've got the winter scene in the last, uh, the winter segment in The Last of Us, you know, the lake resort um, kind of section of the game. Uh, and then you've got this, like even the poster is Caesar, like in the middle of the snow, just, you know, gun on his back, like, let's, let's go, boys. It's, it's a good contrast. It's a good contrast of like the dark ape fur and then the like the white of the snow against him. It 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 looks phenomenal, and, and I think this oh, yeah. is this is the best looking of the three movies, um, which makes sense because it's the latest one. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but like this, this is the one where it's like this is the hardest to tell. It's it's CGI because it's it really is. They get some really close up and and shots where a human is talking to an ape, and you, it's just it blows my fucking mind every time I see it. Like I'm my mind is just incapable of seeing that that is CGI. That that's not an actual ape on the screen. The stuff Andy Serkis and his team are able to do. It's he one hundred percent should have at least been nominated for best uh, actor for this i think oh yeah a hundred percent and it's it's uh, it's one of them where like obviously it's andy circus it's the whole time is this this is um ilm right uh no this is wetter this is oh okay yeah where where is where is i think andy circus himself has like a big hand in wetter he's like helped build it so it makes sense that it's like don't they usually work together quite a lot of the time 
Yeah, because I think it started up, like, I think anyway, uh, on Lord of the Rings and, like, with Gollum and everything like that. So, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Well, that, mate, like, it's a, it's a testament to Andy Serkis' <laughs> incredible performance. It's a testament to all of the visual effects artists, whoever worked on it, just fucking bringing an A game. And it's... Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is stunning it really to look is. At it. So this movie is uh, five years after Dawn, so 15 years since the first one. The war, this will have um, humans fighting against the apes, and the humans are uh, kind of on the back foot fighting back. Um, and then I think you have what is probably one of the most interesting parts of this movie. You have uh, a hand few of apes working yeah. with the humans uh, under, under the term of donkey, uh, which is a reference to Donkey Kong, um, which I think is it's, it's so interesting that they went that route and it's it's really interesting to see where that storyline in particular oh, yeah. goes. Oh, so yeah, my literally my first note I wrote on this, I put monkeys working with humans with a little <laughs> question mark. Uh, there's and no I, monkeys I, I know in these movies, no, Lawrence. I know there's no monkeys. I know there's no monkeys. Um, but, yeah, no, my, my impression there was um, I didn't immediately clock that they were kind of left over from the people that were still loyal to Cobra. Yeah. Um, I didn't get that straight away. So my first thought was like, are they fighting someone else? What's happening here? Like, is are they working together? Is that as you know, the war divulged into something way bigger than just this conflict? Um, <laughs> yeah. But when it was, it, it kind of justified the last movie for me because the fact that it's still Cobra's people, they haven't just gone to live a happy life somewhere far away from any kind of civilization. They've gone to the other side of the war because, in true Cobra fashion, at the end of the day, when the movie was wrapping up, they were just hungry for blood. They didn't care. Like, they just knew that they'd been wronged and they wanted to kill some people over it. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of added another layer of appreciation mm. to Dawn, which is, again, one of the reasons I love Dawn was that conflict. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and there's still elements of that conflict carrying over. Like you say, you do have the Cobra loyalists in uh, these apes who are, who are working with the humans. And it's some of that stuff is difficult to watch. It's It's... I don't know, there's something about, like, someone betraying their own kind, like, willing to be, like, degraded by the, the whatever, by the humans in this case, um, and fight against their own kind. It's... I want to be careful what I say here, but it, 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 there's there's lots of themes of stuff that's happened throughout history in that, let's just say. Um, and it is it's really... It, some of it is really difficult to watch, but also really interesting at yeah. the same time. There's there's the one ape in particular, the uh, the red gorilla who like works with the humans throughout, who kind of has a little bit of a redemption arc towards the end. But even then, even when uh, that ape did decide to like uh, to to help out Caesar, I still I still thought that. But you you've done a lot though, haven't you? You've like done a lot of terrible stuff, and you've, yeah. you've really kicked the shit out of your own kind for what? For for the benefit of some food from humans or, or whatever. Like, I think, yeah. and that was and that was uh, Caesar's obviously like clear disgust in it because there's a there's yeah. a brilliant again like if this if the last movie's line was you know the whole. Um, uh, human, human work, human work, that kind of thing. Um, there's a line in this where he says um, that that gorilla turns to Caesar and says, "You know, I, I, I look after myself." Uh, and he said, "Like, oh," and Caesar replies something like, um, "How much of yourself is even left to look after? Like, now yeah. you've you've done all of this." Um, but no, you're absolutely right. This, well, I'll be careful with what I say as well. But this is 
this movie is way heavier than the last two and it deals with I mean, if you, you'd be a fucking, you'd either be blind or an idiot to not see the parallels it's drawing <laughs> with our own history. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it is. Go on. I was just to say, and it's and it and it does. Like, I mean, this is like it, it, it's a it's a clear theme, and you know, this is this is a you know a, a fictional movie about a war that never happened, uh, and it had me feeling like, oh god, this is fucking, this is horrible. Um, this kind of this stuff. movie, this, I think this is the most emotional of the of the three movies. I think, yeah. um, it definitely tugs on your heartstrings in a different way. I mean, even from the beginning, um, Woody Harrelson kills Caesar's family, like his his wife and son had had just killed needlessly, like not not quite in front of him, but al- almost. Um, and then the there's the, there's a line like where the apes are setting out to to like go to the new sanctuary and Caesar's like I'm gonna go after these guys or whatever, and they're all like begging him not to go. They're, they're saying he needs to be with them. He needs to lead his people. Uh, and and Rocket, who I've loved throughout all these movies, he's such a, an interesting and great character. Um, he 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 just says to Caesar, "I know what it's like to lose a son." And that line, I was like, "Oh fucking hell, Rocket! Let me give you a hug, you little bald beautiful yeah. ape." <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Um, but so through, throughout all of these, all of these movies, I found the human aspect to be the weakest. Like the the part that makes me go, yeah. "All right, get get back to Caesar. Let me see what the apes are doing." Um, 100%. And that's not true in this film. Um, Woody Harrelson is. Woody Harrison has a strange career where some movies he really wants to be there and others he could not give a fuck. Um, <laughs> and he, he is sometimes he's Woody Harrelson and other times he is a character. And he's so talented in this movie and in this character role specifically, he is he's bringing so much to it. Like and and there's a reveal that happens later on uh, that happens with his character, which ends up in his character actually committing suicide that makes you go, you are you are fully like a couple of fucking things short of a, of a full shilling, aren't you? Like, you're, like well, you're crazy. He, but by that point in the movie, yeah, he, he literally is a couple of shillings short of a full whatever, because he's like, he's been infected by that. Point. Oh, oh, good. We both know the expression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're men of culture. Um, but yeah, by that point he is infected. So, Context, background, here we go. Nathan's history. Uh, so, Planet of the Apes, 1968. Uh, it's basically kind of, not this, but kind of this. Um, so, like, Planet of the Apes is the, the humans return to Earth. They don't know it's Earth, like I was saying earlier. And, and they encounter a species of highly intelligent apes who are able to walk and talk and they wear clothes and everything and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the, the, the humans on the planet, the native humans, they don't talk. They run around in fields. They, it's almost like the roles have been reversed. Uh, the humans are incapable of speech. They're rounded up like cattle by the apes and all that sort of stuff. And this is essentially the start of that. The virus is mutating and spreading so that the humans are becoming more docile and they're becoming less intelligent and they're losing the ability to speech to speak and the apes are getting more and more intelligent. Sounds like so you're losing the ability to speech if you ask me, Nathan. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, and this movie, I think it does well to introduce the character of Nova, the little girl in this as well, uh, just to basically to show you all of that. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, no, definitely. So that, but that's oh, where, where, should, where should we go with it? There's sorry, there's a lot in this movie. Like there's a there is. there's a there is. there's a hell of a lot. Um, well, let, let's go with Nova then. What did you kind of think of the human sympathetic kind of addition to soften up Caesar, which is I think what she was there to do. Uh, I don't know if she was there for that, really. Yeah, a little, I guess. Um, it was also, uh, she was also there to carry the end of the human race uh, manifested in a <laughs> teddy bear, uh, which was quite funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, yeah, she, I, I don't think Caesar necessarily needed softening up because he always he, he already was quite soft, I guess. But, well, yeah, yeah, I, I like the character of Nova. I think she works better with... The the king of all apes, Maurice. Um, his, his relationship with her is is just really interesting, and and again, it just shows why I love Maurice so much because Maurice isn't interested in war. He isn't interested in fighting and figuring out who's the more dominant species or any of that shit. He doesn't care about revenge. Maurice just wants to learn. He just wants to take to, to impart his knowledge and he wants to learn as much about the world as he can and make friends along the way. And that's yeah. why Maurice is the king of everything. <laughs> and Maurice is <laughs> Maurice is likely to be the king because Caesar at the end of this movie having, you know, secured freedom <clears throat> uh, and a life worth living for his ape family. Um, he dies. He succumbs to a wound. I think he got shot. Um, he, yeah. So he got hit by a, uh, an arrow from that crossbow guy from the, that band. was it. And that's obviously yeah. a kind of a slow, painful death. And that's what he's had, but he's still, tr- you know, he still trudged up a fucking mountain. Like yeah. the unit he is. Um, <laughs> and eventually came to his wounds, um, and died leaving more than likely Maurice in charge, which is what I think their conversation was about. Cause that, that whole ending conversation between them two was, it was so beautiful. Like it was so good. So beautiful. So emotional. Um, I, I, you'd be a very something wrong with you if you don't at least shed a tear during during that that final scene. There, it's it's really, really, really well done. Um, the fact that Maurice himself sheds a tear is it's heartbreaking. Oh, um, yeah, I know, I know, my king. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think sorry, Maurice probably is. Um, taking on the leadership role and and guiding the apes going forward um but but yes he's uh, he's he's done and I, I like that he did hold on to the end he wanted to make sure that his people were home that they had a home to go to that they had safety and sanctuary before he before he let go before he passed um and yeah. it, it was just the the entire life of that character from where he came and, and to this point that all the shit he's gone through uh, still you know in this movie still haunted by visions of Cobra now and then and all that sort of stuff um it, it's nice that he was finally able to find peace and f- for himself and for his people as well oh yeah and that's a that's a trope that i tend to dislike in movies <clears throat> i don't like the whole like you kill the character in the last, you know, the last episode, the last movie, whatever. Uh, and now they're going to haunt you. Um, mm. But every time Cobra showed up, it was very, um, like, it was very contextualized in the whole nature of the scene uh, of what yeah. Caesar was doing or what he'd done previous. Um, and there's moments where, <laughs> you know, characters very close to him turn around and say, you're acting like the fucking very bloke that you put down for acting like this. I think, yeah, I think Maurice even says to him at one point, now you seem like Cobra. And when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah. coming from Maurice as well. The <laughs> yeah. nicest guy. Our <laughs> king? What? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
just just a couple of quick things. Um, God, I feel fucking sorry for that horse um, with the fucking silverback gorilla on him because fuck me, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> when you see the the fucking 400 500 pound gorilla or whatever on the back of this little white horse like my god that is one strong horse good for you I mean, the, f- the fucking horse should be riding him like, it's, 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 a, it's a distribution of weight for the channel and the fact that he fucking like he jumps down from a tower at one point onto the horse's back like fucking hell <laughs> the fact that horse doesn't just snap into and break exactly <laughs> Um, oh poor horse what did you think of um what do you think of bad ape the character so this is just what i this is just what i was going to ask so this character this movie introduces a new character as uh, steve zahn as bad ape and uh, when i was watching this i i had it in my head see i know who lawrence is as a person and i know <laughs> that lawrence hates fun and he hates comic relief so lawrence is going to absolutely despise bad ape me personally i like bad ape i think he's very funny he's he's quite cute oh you do well we'll get there um he has a little bit of mischief and humor to to the a a little bit of uh, levity to the to the otherwise gloomy movie um and it is nice to have him there what did you think of bad ape lawrence he was very skeptical of bad ape uh (laughs) I thought no, right, and I have I have fair reasons for being skeptical of Bad Ape, right? Bad Ape, bad, no, Bad Ape was introduced, <laughs> right, and then he was very clearly set up as the comic relief, which I liked, and I I didn't despise because the, without mm. a, any form of comic relief, this movie is very miserable. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so I, you know, I don't like comic relief when it's just when it's so much and it's way too much, and the movie's already fine. Like, the movie's already tonally balanced. If this had no comic relief in it, it would be a very long movie with very upsetting sequences that provided no levity. So I liked him. My concern was when the very, like, next sequence after we met Bad Ape, you are introduced to basically, you know, the Holocaust of apes. Yeah. And and, And my immediate concern was, please don't start being wacky in this environment it's it would be very disrespectful um but he's not he's not being wacky like jar jar is wacky he's not like being slapstick and tripping over and 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 doing flips and all that sort of stuff it's just that he's he's had a different upbringing to these apes he doesn't have the same social cues is is really where the humor comes from is is a lot toned down to like like the the slapstick comic relief. Well, and that's and that's and that's why I I did end up liking him because that that kind of realization only mm. came a little bit after. Like the first scene he's in, he's very much running around the place like he's just downed twenty Red Bulls. Um, yeah, and and that's just because he's excited to see more of his kind. Um, but yeah, no, that's that was my immediate concern. But then it was absolutely fine because they handled it with you know they were delicate around the sensitive subjects. And humour was used in places where it actually really worked and, and provided that levity that I was saying I wanted. Um, I like the fact that he's called Bad Ape because clearly he was just so, such a fucking little shit that while he was in the zoo, they just always went Bad Ape, Bad Ape. And he's just like, oh, well, that must be my name. That, okay. Yeah, that's me. That's me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I like that. That was that was good. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, um, ah, this... Yeah, this is this is a really good movie. I find I found the pacing 
a little bit off compared to the others. Yeah, I think. yeah, I would agree. It's it's a little it's it it does feel a little bit long at times. You do you do notice the length in this one more than the others, I'd say. Yeah, um, and and it is a little weirdly paced because like it's like when they like get to the the camp the 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 yeah, the military camp and that's like halfway through the movie and then like, they like start doing the work and it, and it feels like it's just all it feels like it's just the introduction really by that point so yeah it is a little bit weirdly paced and, and that sort of stuff um one scene i did like in particular is like when they was all the apes were like doing the work to build uh the wall um and they they just kind of had that moment of standoff like where um one of the apes, I think he dropped something, and then he was like whipped and punished. And Caesar said, t- told them to stop. And then there was just the moment of all the other apes just throwing down their rocks and refusing to work and, and standing behind Caesar once again. And yeah. then seeing how that then unraveled and how they were then forced to get back to work. That that was a really good scene. That was really interesting. That was good. And there's there's a, the, the other moment in that. Um, bearing in mind, picture how the whole pack looked when Caesar left. Um, yeah. when Caesar came back and like maybe three of them gave a shit, yeah. um, that, that was fucking gut wrenching when it was, yeah, it, like, was. it hasn't even been that long. Like it genuinely had, they haven't been on the road that long and yeah. in such a short amount of time, they've gone from seeing Caesar as this pillar of strength and hope, uh, to going, Oh, look, one more of us, they can fucking, you know, rough up and kill eventually. Um, yeah. And if anything, they just looked like they pitied him. They were like, "I thought you were off to do something better than this." Um, but then, but then he like regains their trust, like as the movie goes on, and then, and then like he's put in the cage opposite them, and there's a great moment where they all like do the apes together, strong like uh, gesture, um, and it, it, it's beautiful. It's just, it's beautiful. There's no other way to describe it. Yeah, um, I'll I'll end this uh, I'll end this kind of whole thing. We'll move on to Clone Wars Corner in a second, but the um. Uh, I, I, you know that you know the dominoes meme where it's like the events, events leading to something massive, oh, yeah. uh, and how you can never predict it. I just thought of one that's like uh, James Franco excelling in medicine and science, and then just genocide and the end of the human race, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, it, this is this is an absurd franchise. But the fact that it has the balls to take itself seriously, especially in the last one, is I actually respected it quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, so I think we're both in agreement that it's uh, a watch and not a skip for all three of these movies. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, you can't. You'd be a bit, <laughs> a bit weird if you skip one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. You'll have you'll have even little context that I had going into the second one, and I watched the first one. Um, there you are. There yeah. you are. Um, all right, uh, Craig, do your thing. Clone Wars Corner with Lawrence and Nathan. But Nathan has already seen it. It's mostly just Lawrence. Uh, right, I'm going to run through this quickly because we're already pushed for time. Um, uh, and to be honest, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a sad Clone Wars Corner today, Nathan. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. <laughs> I've, I've, a lot of people told me, um, and I saw a lot of um, kind of reviews that said the same thing. Um uh, season one has its ups and it has its downs, and this episode was bad, <laughs> basically. Um, it is season one, episode eight. It's called Bomb Bad Jedi, uh, and basically what happens uh, is, the long and short of it, is that um, Separatist droids mistake Jar Jar Binks 
as a Jedi because he's wearing a cloth over his head, which was funny. I did like that. Um, that that is just the 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 galaxy wide symbol for it's probably a Jedi if he's got a hood on, isn't he? Well, let's let's be honest. No lightsaber, no force tricks, nothing. Just he's got a hood. Yeah, treat him as a Jedi. He must be a Jedi. Um, but yeah, no. So um, Padme goes to this little system. Uh, some guy called Uncle Arno or Arno or something. Um, who looks like Greedo, but isn't Greedo. Um, he's a Rodian. He's a Rodian, that's the word. Uh, well, that's the species. Um, they're kind of, um, you know, they, they his requests have been ignored. His people are suffering. So the Separatists thought, uh, offered him a little cheeky deal. He accepted it because, you know, he's kind of trying to do the best for his people, which, you know, I know the Separatists are bad, but good on him. Maybe don't let your people starve uh, due to kind of bureaucratic incompetence. Um <laughs> But yeah, C-3PO and Jar Jar are on the ship um, and they're kind of waiting for Padme, who's gone on this mission, to speak to them and to speak to him and basically be like, yeah, we, we can still count on your support, right? Uh, turns out they can't. The Separatist uh, droids uh, arrest Padme uh, and lock her up, at which point Jar Jar's like, fuck this, I'm going to go and help her out. Uh, that's when they mistake him as a Jedi. And then the rest of the episode is the droids kind of going, there's a Jedi around here, fuck. Uh, and Padme and C-3PO just slowly dealing with Jar Jar's incompetence and being like, oh, God, how is this guy the last hope we have to get out of this fucking thing? Um, I think from memory, it's just Jar Jar uh, locking Kim way out of, out of scenarios. Like, any any situation he, like, wins or comes out on top, it's purely just down to dumb luck. Yeah, so I'm, I've never been a big Jar Jar despise. There's people out there like, Jar Jar is the death of Star Wars. He's the worst character. He's fun and he's made for kids, right? Yeah. Calm down. Uh, and this is a kid's show in which the character made for kids is a central part of the episode. I went into this knowing that Jar Jar is not intended for me <laughs> in this episode. Um, yeah. but, it, but that being said, it is, it is all the annoying parts of Jar Jar just unfiltered. Uh, and yeah. straight in there with no kind of realisation. Although, one thing I did like about this was that now all the characters have kind of post-prequel clarity, uh, and they all know that Jar Jar's annoying because that's how everyone perceives Jar Jar. So now they're, <laughs> now they're in on the joke, and every time Jar Jar does something, you see Padme like roll her eyes or be like, oh, bloody Jar Jar, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, um, it's true. Jar Jar, he does, he, I think there are a few episodes where he crops up during the first season, um, and every time it's just, it's a little bit more of the same. So good luck with all of that. Yeah, I'm mean, like, don't get me wrong. It, it's you know, it was twenty minutes of a kid's show. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't sat there at the end of it going death to George Lucas and Dave Filoni. I hate them. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was just an episode that was, you know, it's one. It was one of the weaker elements of the show. It didn't really bring anything new. Uh, it was more just Jar Jar jumping around and like you say. Uh, just being clumsy and somehow that working uh, in every single way imaginable. Um, although they did, I do think that they sometimes, you know, if you do like a bad impression of Yoda yeah, um, and Yoda has strict dialogue rules as does Jar Jar. But if you do like a bad impression of Yoda, um, suddenly you're just, you, you, you get so wrapped up in what the rule of his speech pattern is that you get it, you get it wrong. <laughs> definitely uh, and i think this actually breaks the jar jar rule uh because in this um there's there's the the most bizarre jar jar line that i wanted to share which was oh fiddle last stickers misa must go to savor uh her which i think is it's too much jar jar in one line <laughs> does that make sense no um, but 
Yeah, I guess. I kind of, yeah. I it was it like, like more, more so with Jar Jar, like if I was going to say the next line in Jar Jar, uh, I would say that uh, this uh, speech pattern is silly, right? It's yeah. not every word. Whereas in this one, it's like, <laughs> oh, it sounds like a bad Italian impression. Where it's like, oh, a fiddle sticker, we must go. <laughs> like, it's, it, that's what it sounds like, um, which was a bit weird. <laughs> All right, well, there you are. There's Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, one, one more point. Um, oh, here we go. There seems to be a recurring theme in this that, uh, you know, kind of um, senators and leaders of communities, uh, in most episodes, they go, we've struck a deal with the separatists. That's really great. They're really good people, don't you know? Uh, and then, like five minutes, the separatists are like, "We're pieces of shit, and you should, you know, you now work for us." And they're like, "Oh no, <laughs> like why? Why did none of them know?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, it's quite funny. But the, yeah, look, this is an episode that wasn't written for me as the intended audience, um, and it's fine. It's a kid show. It was fun. Uh, definitely one that if I ever rewatched this show, I would be skipping straight away. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. I had a good time. Which I uh, often do. My rule of thumb whenever I'm watching Clone Wars is any Jar Jar centric episode, it's skipped. It's not yeah. relevant to me um. anyway. <laughs> but there we are. Uh, Craig, play that funky music, robot boy. Clone Wars Corner with Lawrence and Nathan. But Nathan has already seen it. It's mostly just Lawrence. Nathan, this has been another fantastic episode uh, of another Happy Pod. Uh, next week, we've got School of Rock going on. Yes, um, we do. Which is quite fun. I'm excited to watch School of Rock. Um, I haven't I haven't seen that movie in ages. Uh, so I'm Me actually, neither. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with the soon-to-be new-released season of iCarly, what better time to revisit Miranda Cosgrove's... Um, most ambitious and starring role to date. Um, her first role as well. It more than likely is. She's like five in the film or something. <laughs> she's, not, she's not five, but she's very... She's younger than she is in Drake and Josh, and in Drake and Josh, she's very young. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, give this give this podcast a review if you like. Uh, we've gone on longer this time, so if you're still here, we appreciate it. And if you still are, let us know by going over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a little five-star review. Um, you know, if that's if you feel we deserved it, I'm being I'm being earnest this time. Normally, I'm quite forceful. Uh, I'm hoping that a new approach will liven up uh, and get some more reviews in. Uh, you can follow us at Another Happy Pod. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram, uh, and I don't know where else we are. Nathan, I don't know if the TikTok got banned for violence in the end. <laughs> no, the TikTok is still there. Uh, there's just one video on it, and it's the trailer for the series. Um, ah. So. It is, it's, uh, to be honest, I don't really use the TikTok. <laughs> so, well, fantastic. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so but yeah, give give us um, you know, you, we we that's where we notify when new episodes are live, so you don't miss them. Uh, that's where we kind of tweet funny and somewhat related stuff towards the episode, and then other times like this week, both of us just forget that we <laughs> run a podcast and didn't tweet a thing. Um, it's true, you know. Sometimes we're very engaged on the Twitter, and we'll we'll send like fun jokes to each other, and we'll like do like funny little riffs or whatever. And then other weeks we're just like, "What is Twitter?" And yeah. it just does not exist. Which was very much what happened this week. Sometimes it's good to just put your phone down and enjoy the world. 
Oh, uh, fuck off. Just wrap it <laughs> out, you uh, Yeah, join us next week for School of Rock. Uh, have you, If you've had a good time, review us. Uh, give us a follow, and we shall see you when we see you, which will be next Friday at 10 a.m. for School and, of Rock. And as always, say hi to your mum for me. Did I mention we were doing School of Rock next week? You, you, yeah, several fucking times. Okay, well, Nathan, are you ready for School of Rock next week? Uh, fuck off. <laughs> Another happy pod. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.